starting in verse 16. This is a very, very familiar uh, set of scriptures here. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Yeah, I'm reading from the NIV today. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Isn't that funny? They're seeing the resurrected Christ and they're still doubting. Don't worry about yourself. You're, you're going to get there. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Um, Today, we're going to talk about something a little different than maybe you've ever heard before in church. Um, I will tell you flatly that this message has really grown out of, uh, being honest, a frustration in me. Frustration in me that... um, that our church, the church in general, particularly in the United States and in Europe, has become very ineffective at reaching people for Jesus Christ. And um, I, I am, I, because I love people and because I know how lost I was, I was a disaster. Um, and I know the, the difference that Jesus made in my life. And I want people to experience that. And, and I'll be honest, when I was first saved and um, really serving God, I remember being at a, at a drama that we were doing. We were doing a, like an Easter drama. We used to do this huge production in Wisconsin where we had a church probably about, oh, twice the size of this. But we, we literally like tagged three cores of the church and we built these huge sets and had this incredible Easter drama called No Greater Love. And, and we actually got to the point that we were at, ha, had churches asking us to come and perform it at their churches. And we had done this once in Sheboygan, um, which is a town near Green Bay. And I, I ran into this kid who we were talking. He's this young, handsome African-American kid, and uh, he had been raised in, in, in church. He'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit at about 11 years old and had been baptized in water and had gone through the things that, that we know are our, our landmark points in our lives as Christians. He'd done all those things, and then he kind of walked away from God, and I'm talking with him. And um, he said, you know, I... My passion is music. And, you know, full gospel folks, how many know we can get down pretty good with some music, right? I'm like, dude, then you're part of the perfect church, right? And he was like, he's like, no, my, my music's different. My, you know, it's more like, it's more heavier, it's a little more rock. And this is back in uh, probably the mid-90s, before there was such a thing as contemporary Christian music. And I remember sitting there with this kid, who the only reason that he was not on fire for God, because he was like, I love God, and he was worshiping, and it was obvious that he enjoyed just the presence of the Lord. 
But the reason he wasn't serving is because, because his passion wasn't able to be expressed in-house. And I got to confess, I was frustrated by that. And I, and I sat there, and it caused me to begin to interrogate some things in my heart and, and to, to look at the church and try to understand where we are and what we're supposed to be about. And it started me in the process of where I am today, which is that, that I believe that there's room for each of you to do what you are called and created to do. Because I do believe... Some would say, oh, well, that guy just needs to repent and get himself right. And to a point, maybe you're right. But there's room for expression for your gifts and talents and passions. Because if they're not sin, God probably put them there to one degree or another. And and so we need to begin to really understand who we are and what we're about because we are the kingdom of God. We are the kingdom of God. We are called to reign. God calls us to be kings and priests, right? Literally, we are the kingdom. If you look at Revelation 5, 9 through 10, it's one of my favorite scriptures. They're praising Jesus in the house. I mean, they are there in the heavenly sanctuary, and it says, and they sang a new song, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and people and nation, and you have made them. Who's he talking about? Us. And you, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. We are called to reign. And we're called to reign now. The kingdom is right now. Now, I know that Jesus isn't sitting enthroned in Jerusalem yet. That'll come. The fullness of the kingdom hasn't shown up yet, but the kingdom has come. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. The kingdom is the spirit of God that comes by faith. When you, when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, God deposits a part of his eternity into your soul and the kingdom of God comes to dwell in you. You are the kingdom. And because of that, God's people in this world are to transform this world by bringing the light of the kingdom to the world. We are to to bring the kingdom here. And that has two different aspects. We we talk about evangelism and going out and reaching people for Jesus Christ. And and if you don't know Jesus as Savior, it's the greatest thing ever. It's incredible. It's like nothing else in this world. It'll heal your soul and make you whole. It'll change your mind and make you stable. It's the greatest thing. See, but there's, there's different parts. There's evangelism, yes, but there's also making disciples of nations. Evangelism is, is kind of like the, the quantitative. It's the increase of number. 
It's increasing the family of God. It's, it's reaching new people for Jesus. But the discipling of nations is qualitative. It's about, it's about the quality of the discipleship. It's about taking the people that are part of the kingdom and bringing the kingdom to a nation. It's about changing the nation because of us and our effect. I have believed for a long time that what has been missing from the church globally is that we keep waiting for the world to show up at our door so they can get saved. And I'm about this place. I'm about us having great music. I'm about, does anyone like the paint? The team worked really hard for, for you guys to be able to enjoy just a little different color there. Um, I'm about making this place the best it can be, having the best music and the best preaching and the best ministries and all those things. But, but we have got to understand that if we're waiting for the world to come here to find out about him, then we will be waiting a very long time. Culture is becoming increasingly more skeptical and more atheistic. The further we go into this postmodern era, which some of you may not understand what that even means yet, but you've heard the word. We can talk about that later. But the more we go into that, the less and less people are looking to the church for answers. They are trying to find them on their own. And, and if we are going to reach the world for Jesus... We are going to have to go out there to where they are. But this is the example of the church. This is the example of the early church. On the day of Pentecost, you know, they were all in one accord in one place, and there were 120 of them, and, and, and the Spirit of God comes in, and God moves, and they all start speaking in tongues, and all this, it changed Immediately, God breaks into their lives in a way that they were not ready for. And all of a sudden, what's the first thing they do? They stumble out of that upper room and they're going, Hey, I've got to tell you about this. And some, most of them are doing it in tongues at first. And these, all these different nationalities are hearing their language spoken by these, these, these Galileans who are uneducated. Not worldly, cultured people speaking 16 different languages noted in the New Testament. Speaking about how awesome God is. See, the first thing that, that God does when God birthed the church is he kicked them out of the church to go get people. But too often in our churches, we're trying to have good enough programs and the right little lure Get people here when we're the Lord. We're the answer because that is the Great Commission. And I'm going to be honest with you because I always am. Most Christian leaders spend their energy, creativity, and time promoting their churches instead of God's kingdom. Do I want you to come here? Yeah. I think we have a great thing going. But I am not about this church. 
If you don't fit here and you want to go somewhere else, ask me. I'll send you to some good places. I got some friends who pastor in the area here. We'll send you. That's cool. And we won't get mad or sad or anything else. We'll pray for you and bless you when you leave. Because it's not about New Life Church. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about getting a big role of membership here. It's about you being in God's kingdom and stepping into the place that he's called you to be who you were created to be and to serve him the way you're supposed to serve him. That is what it's about. Honestly, and I know that, you know, I'm the pastor here. But I am more concerned with kingdom than I am with this place. It is my feeling that if we focus on kingdom, that this place will be filled. Because we'll just be fitting our place. And if somebody comes here and gets saved and ends up down at Lighthouse or ends up down at the you know, community, uh, North Street Community Church or ends up at Victory, praise God. You go and serve there. You become who God made you to be and serve the kingdom of God so that you can become who God made you to be. If we do what we're supposed to do here, we're going to be sending out people who are strong in the Spirit, powerful in ministry, able to do great things for God anywhere they go. And it may not be here, but you guess what? It doesn't matter. Because if we're building disciples, we're making disciples, and you're going, that's what this is about. The Great Commission is not what many of us have understood it to be. We see it to be evangelism only, bringing people from the world into our buildings. But the Great Commission mandate is to go out and make disciples of nations. The focus is not in here. The focus is out there. Today I'm going to lay out something before you that maybe you've heard about, maybe you haven't. I want to talk to you about the, the seven mountains of culture. Now, this, this concept, the seven mountains concept, is something that you're not going to necessarily find in your Bible. Um, the idea of nations is there, and, uh, and we could go a long way. I could, I could definitely make that fit, what I'm going to tell you, um, because... Ethnos is tribe, and, and we're going to talk about basically seven tribes. Um, but the point is this. The seed of this started in two kingdom dreams that God gave to two of the leading evangelists of the last century. In August of 1975, two of the most respected evangelists, uh, Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade for Christ, And Lauren Cunningham, who was the founder of Youth with a Mission, both had the same dream. God gave them the exact same dream. And God showed them that there were seven mountains or seven kingdoms of culture that affected every culture of the world. That every culture had these elements inside of it. And that that if we were to affect the world that we had to tap into those areas. 
A month later, God showed the exact same dream to pastor, theologian, and philosopher Francis Schaeffer. This was in the Spirit of God. And the message was this. The one who takes these mountains will win the world. Those seven mountains you can see reflected up here are government, education, religion, media, family, arts and entertainment, and business. Those are the seven mountains. Now note this. Religion is just one of them. And yet, we in the church, in trying to do what we're called to do in our own thinking, for so many years have focused our attention on this mountain. The issue with that is that we have, we have gone and negated things that God has in store and God has, has planted inside of people. And it has caused us to pull back from other areas, such as business or education or media. We've, we've abdicated our position from those different locations, focusing our attention on this one. The problem with that is that we have lost these others. If you look at our nation 50 years ago, just 50 years ago, 50 years ago, Gene Autry and Roy Rogers were still the number one and number two entertainers in the world. And they were both very outspoken Christians. Marvin Gaye and Sam Cooke were pastor's sons who were at the top of the charts, along with Elvis Presley, though he had obviously backslidden away from his religious upbringing, had been spirit-filled and baptized in Jesus' name as a teenager. The President of the United States was Richard Nixon, who was a Quaker. Literally, from the highest office to those who affected society, they had church in their DNA. And some of them were open and powerful professors of this gospel. But since that time, the church has pulled back, maybe because we saw what happened with Elvis. We saw what happened with Sam Cooke, where they were children of faith who walked away because they ended up being deceived by, it says, the deceitfulness of, of riches, as the scripture says. These things that are up here understand that, that they can be, as anything is, a double-edged sword. Is there danger in dealing with some of these things? Yeah. Have we got any business owners in the house? Yeah, we got a ton of entrepreneurs in this room right now. You can make a bunch of money and you can get stupid. Or you can make a bunch of money and you can live for Jesus. It's not the money, it's the heart. We talked about that last week. That's why we got to make sure that he is number one. Because the reality is this. God, and I want you to hear this, and I want especially my young people to hear this, and I want my adults to hear this too. God is calling you to affect at least one of these mountains. If God calls us to reign, 
If God calls us kings, then we're to reign. If we're called to reign, that means we have a throne. And that means we have a location from which we're supposed to reign and exert influence, right? Is that right? Because kings reign. See, the problem, though, is that too often we have separated our religious experience, our, our God portion of our lives, and put that off in this nice little corner, and then here's the rest of my life. I go to work on Monday, I do these things, instead of it all being about God and understanding that if God has called you to be an engineer, that God created you to reign in that place. Is this making sense? I love that when when Sister Sylvia was here a couple, like a month and a half ago, right? Two months ago. And, and she's going down the row, and it was awesome just watching God. Wasn't it awesome watching God just speak to each one of those kids, just prophetically, just like, bang, here's your life. I was like, dude, I think I'm going to get confirmed so I can get a word from like God like that. But you know what was awesome is she goes up to Caleb, right? Caleb, you in here? And she goes to Caleb, and she looks at him, and she goes, I see you as an engineer. And you're going to build great things for God. I was like, yeah. See, too many times we've minimized the call of people who have a genuine, authentic God calling into an area because it didn't require the use of a microphone in the Bible. I'm a preacher, that's what I'm called to do. But it's just my calling. What are you called to do? What is your throne? What mountain is the one that you're supposed to impact? Because it's only when we as the church of of Jesus Christ, only as we as the people of God begin to step into our places in the world that we can begin to bring Jesus into those places. And he can change things. But as long as we keep our view of ministry about this big, and, well, I don't serve in Sunday school, or maybe I don't teach, you know, I've never, well, I haven't preached in a long time. Is that it? Is that all your ministry is? Because I do more ministry outside this building than I ever do inside of it. We have got to change our understanding of what God has called us to do. Because you can be a God-anointed business owner, engineer, doctor, missionary, evangelist, prophet, nurse, teacher, attorney. That one's debatable. I believe it can happen. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I've known some good saved, saved attorneys. But what's your mountain? You know, what was cool recently in, in moving up here, I, I got to meet Johnny and Juanita Bergerson, and they, they have connections all around the world. And they introduced me to a preacher who I'd never heard of before. I, I shouldn't say that. I'd heard of him. I'd never read him before. Uh, his name is Sunday Aldelaja. 
And um, what's cool about Pastor Adelaja is that, that literally he, he took all the things I've thought for years, and he's made it work. He's made it work in a church, and the result has been incredible. See, all that he did is he understood that, that each of us has a ministry, each of us has a calling of God, each of us has a throne, each of us has a place that we're supposed to reign for Jesus Christ, and he just said, go do it, which is what I've been saying for years. But he made it work as a pastor, and the church that he pastors, that he planted himself, is, the, is, is changing their society. Pastor Adelaja, he, he's the pastor of the largest church in Europe. He's an African-American brother from Nigeria who planted a church in, get this, Ukraine. Folks don't get wider than they are in Ukraine. They're so white, they're clear. And here this African-American brother comes in, and he starts preaching the kingdom. He starts preaching the gospel, yes, but more than that, he starts talking about how you, as a Christian, are to go out and spread kingdom. And what is your passion? And where are you at? And what do you want to do for God? And all of a sudden, they start just blowing up. He goes in. And they start making soup kitchens, and, and they start having food, you know, for the poor, and, and clothing for the poor, but then they're also having Christian businessmen go out and starting businesses, and they have Christian engineers going out and working in firms, and, and they have all of these people going out and just doing their thing in Jesus' name. The results have been Incredible. Literally, that church has produced a Christian president for the Ukraine out of that church. See, if we can start to see what we're really called to do, which is to transform and disciple nations, then we don't need them to come to the church for us to do that. That each of us in here has a calling that is to go out and disciple nations where we are. That might be your university, young people, or your high school. Adults, that might be your place of work. Or maybe it's just a passion area that you've got. But the key is this. What does God want to do with you to bring his kingdom through you? See, to influence a nation, you will never accomplish it if you remain within the four walls of your church. We have got to know that we have got to go. I believe that many of us in this room, maybe not many, maybe there's some, I don't know, I can't, I don't know where you're at, I don't know what you're called to, I don't know. But I would say that there's a good number of us in here that may be in your Exact calling. There are people in here that, that you've gone into an area of business that maybe you didn't expect to go into or maybe you expected to go into. Maybe it was your whole life's plan. But you walked in and there's blessing and there's blessing and there's blessing and there's elevation. And God's promoting you in those things. 
But unless you see yourself, and unless you see your ministry there, you'll miss it. You following me? Because God, God doesn't just bless because he thinks you're cute. Scripture says that, that he, he gives us the ability to gain wealth, that he can establish his covenant. If you're blessed in where you work, then the reason is because God's elevated you to establish his covenant there. But until we see that, until we understand that, we can't. Because, well, that's just my faith. This is my work. We've got to dissolve that line. We've got to see that, that if God's elevating you, if you're blessed and you're being raised up and you're being promoted or your business is being promoted or, or whatever you're doing, God's raising you up. You're coming into management or you're coming into other things that God is raising you up. Not so you can make more money and not so you can get better stuff. That might be the result, but the reason is to establish his covenant. We have got to see the purpose of God in it. It is not, it is not less than that. So, what do we do? How do we do this? Well, the answer is the series we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks. The answer is see, feel, do. If you know what your calling is, cool. Go do it. If you don't know what your calling is, which is probably 50% or more of us in here, I'm going to give you a little clue on how to find it, okay? Are you with me? Is anybody with me? (laughs) Thank you for at least laughing. I was getting nervous. The first thing is, You see a problem, then you feel concern, then you do something about it. It's easy. Um, Today, like I said, we're going down, the youth group's going down. We're going to take a bunch of our kids, and we're going to wrap up 4,600 pairs of shoes. 4,600. It's a lot of shoes. Bring gloves, young people. You don't want athletes' hands. Um, but I want to use them as just an example of, of the way that a calling begins to manifest in your life. Is that they went down on a missions trip to Honduras. And, and as they're down there doing missions work and building stuff and reaching people for Jesus Christ with the gospel, getting folks saved, they noticed something. They saw that a bunch of kids, most kids, didn't have any shoes. They they saw something that caught their attention. And every one of us has had that happen. We see something that that we it connects with us. We go, there's a problem there. And that, that from going from seeing something, they began to feel something. See, their dad, their dad's a doctor. And, and they know that 
The disease oftentimes is transferred through the bottom of the feet to people. There's people who've caught parasites that have lodged in all sorts of different places in their bodies. I've heard of parasites in people's hearts. I've heard of parasites in people's eyes that have caused blindness and all this crazy stuff just because they didn't have shoes. And, and these two young women, while they're still teenagers, start to not just see but to feel something in their heart. That these people, these kids, are in need. There's a need here. There's something that has got to stop. See, but then they didn't just feel it. And that's where most of us stop. We see the need, we, we feel the need, the compassion, and then we stop. What makes them different, and the reason we're going down to work for a few hours to package all these shoes up, is because then they started to do something about it. They started to say, what can we do? They started gathering shoes just the local church, and then they went on the radio, and, and all of a sudden God started to bless. And they started to impact people. Two little girls from Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, started a ministry because they saw the need, they felt the need, and they decided to do something about it. I'm wrapping up. But it's time for us. It's time for us to stop waiting for the world to come. To stop just praying for Sally, not my Sally, secretary. (laughs) Sorry, Sally. It's time to stop praying for Sally at the office. Or Joe down the street. Or Tim at the bus stop. It's time to go to them and be Jesus to them. God's calling you to impact one of these seven areas. Maybe you're called to be an educator. Maybe you're called to participate in media and to produce News and those things. Maybe you're a blogger. Maybe you are supposed to be a preacher, an evangelist, or a prophet or something. Maybe you're supposed to go into arts and entertainment or government. Maybe you're supposed to be a businessman or woman. Or maybe you're just supposed to be a mom. But God's calling you. Hear me. God is calling you. To change the world. And it is going to be in one of these areas. So we have got to decide that it's time to stop sitting in neutral and to put it in drive. That it is time for us to, to just decide that we are going to not just see a problem and not just feel the need, but that we are going to do something about it.
it's time for us. And for us adults who are in this room and you're, you're already in a job or whatever, it's time to devote that work to him. It's time to be the light that shines in the darkness at your office or at your store or wherever it may be. God wants you to shine. It doesn't mean you, you know, somebody walks through the door of your store and you pray, you know, lay hands on them suddenly and start speaking in tongues. That is not it. That's not it. It means you love them. You show Jesus to them. Because you know what? You hear me on this. You are the only Jesus that they will ever see. And how you reflect him will determine whether they come or not. Oftentimes. More often than not, it's been the church that has hindered God from saving folks than it's ever been that we helped him. It's time for us to change. I'm just going to pray for you quick. And then we're going to sing. But God is calling you to be a world changer. God's calling you to do something. Decide. Decide today to do it. Commit to him. Father, right now, this is stuff that uh, can change the world, Lord. And you birthed it in the hearts of three of the greatest men of the last century to tell the church that we had to impact this world through these seven mountains. And I ask right now, use us, Lord. If we're complacent and we, don't, we just don't feel like that's needed, kick us out of our comfort zone. Kick us out of our, 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 our lays and our contentment. And let us serve you. And if we need a wake-up call, give it to us. Because it's time to stop playing church. It's time to be the people of God in this world. I ask you to bless these people. I ask you to take us where we need to be. In Jesus' name.